Thanks for listening to this Church in the City podcast. The Great Commission has always been God's idea, and His heart has always been to seek and save the lost. In our series on the Great Commission, we're taking a close look at what it means for us, the church, to make every choice, every day, in the light of our partnership with the God who saves. Thank you so much for for letting me have this opportunity of sharing on the Great Commission and how that is outworked in relationships. For those who don't know me very well, uh, I got saved at the age of eight. I've been walking with the Lord for 35 years. I've been married to this man for almost 21 years and um, just am loving the season I'm in, loving where God has placed me, and I'm so grateful to be able to share this word with you today. So thank you in advance for listening. You better listen. <laughs> as much as I love to preach, I was telling Steve the other day that preparing a preach from, or a sermon from start to finish is no easy task. And uh, I said I would have much rather preferred to just grab a microphone and sing prophetically over you all and and be okay with that, you know, leave, leave God's deposit that way. But having said that, I honestly feel like God has given me a word. And I want to deliver that word to you with the best intentions and fulfilling everything that he's asked me to do. So I'm excited. We've sat under some amazing teaching on the Great Commission and how it's practically outworked. Today, like I said, I want to share about what it looks like to see the Great Commission in the relationships that God has entrusted to us. As we outwork our relationships in this Great Commission, my heart is that we would have Jesus' heart for the people that he's given us. That is what I'm going to be sharing about today. So I decided I would look at two scriptures, Matthew 28 and John 17. And Matthew 28 gives us this great commission. It speaks about how we need to go and make disciples of all all nations. But John 17 is all about the heart behind the great commission. By speaking out aloud to his father about the commission in John 17, Jesus has shown the father and is saying to the father, I have completed this task that you've given me. I've completed my commission. And he shows the disciples how, how he did it by speaking his heart to the Father and gives us handles on how we can complete our commission that God has given us. So let's turn to Matthew 28. I think it's at the back. Yeah. Good job, Bree. Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. And surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. Matthew 28 has always been God's intention for us to extend his kingdom. And like I said, John 17 gives us handles on how we do that. That's why we're doing a series on the Great Commission. It is a current command from Jesus. It's not just for the disciples. It's living and it's current and it's for us. 
But as James so wonderfully reminded us in the Jonah series, we need to know God's heart as much as we need to know his instruction. It's really important that we are able to own what he tells us to do. So John 17 gives us that heart. For those who like illustrations, look at it as Matthew 28 being the destination and John 17 being the map. It's a good illustration, right? I thought so too. Okay, before we get to John 17, I want to set the scene. I feel that it is important for us to understand the weight of this prayer. What it meant to his disciples, the implications it had then, and the implications it has now for us as believers. I did some study on John 17, thinking this will be a great reference, and was totally undone by the scripture. Every time I read it, I cried. Every time I read commentaries on it, I cried. And I I really do feel like it's a now word for us. Okay, I'm going to read from Albert Barnes, an American theologian. Just for interest's sake, does anyone know of him? Because I asked the guys at the office and they didn't. But he's a theologian, so I hope it's safe that I read this. (laughs) It's beautiful what he writes, so Lord, you speak. They were proceeding to the Garden of Gethsemane. It adds much to the interest of this prayer that it, would offer, it was offered in the stillness of the night. In the open air and in the especially tender circumstances in which Jesus and his apostles were. It is the longest prayer recorded in the New Testament. It was offered on the most tender and solemn occasions that has ever occurred in our world. And it is perhaps the most sublime composition to be found anywhere. Jesus was about to die. Having expressed his love to his disciples and made known to them his last desires, he now commends them to the protection and blessing of the God of grace. This prayer is moreover a specimen of the manner of his intercession and evinces the interest in which he felt on behalf of all who should become his followers in all ages of the world. J.C. Ryle writes this, We have here the only long prayer of Jesus which the Holy Ghost has thought good to record for our learning. That he often prayed we know well, but this is the only prayer reported. We have many of his sermons, parables, and conversations, but only this prayer. We have here the prayer of one who spoke as never a man spoke and prayed as never a man prayed. The prayer of the second person in the Trinity to the Father. The prayer of one whose office it is as our high priest to make intercession for his people. We have here a prayer offered up by the Lord Jesus on an especially interesting occasion, just after his last supper, just after the most striking discourse, 
just before his betrayal and his crucifixion. Just before the disciples forsook him and fled. And just at the end of his ministry. We have here a prayer which is so singularly full of deep and profound expression, so deep indeed that we have no line to them. The wisest Christian will always confess that there are things here which he cannot fully explain. There is weight to this prayer. So let's read it together. I have been told that my accent and my tone can sometimes make people a little bit sleepy. (laughs) So, I decided to get other people to read it so that you wouldn't fall asleep. I also asked other people to read it because I felt like we're speaking about the Great Commission. We're going to be touching on the fact that we are commissioned to each other. We are a family And I wanted to read scripture as a family today. So I will start us off and then I will hand over to people with not so sleepy voices. After Jesus said this, he looked towards heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me with your presence, with the glory I had with you before the world began. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours, you gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew you, they knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. My prayer is not for the world, but for those you have given me, because they belong to you. All who are mine belong to you, and you have given them to me, so they bring me glory. Now I'm departing from the world. They are staying in this world, but I am coming to you. Holy Father, you have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name, so that they will be united just as we are. During my time here, I protected them by the power of the name you gave me. I guarded them so that not one was lost, except the one headed for destruction, as the scriptures foretold. I do, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they may be one in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them, and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you have sent me and love them, even as you have loved me. Father, I want those that you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. 
Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Thank you, guys. Jesus was arrested after this prayer to the Father. So we know that these were his last utterances to God. And he chose to do it in front of his disciples. The weight of a commission that has existed from the beginning of time, birthed in the love of a father, desperate for communion and restored relationship, is embodied in this prayer. I want to say that again. The weight of a commission that has existed from the beginning of time, birthed in the love of a father, desperate for communion and restored relationship, is embodied in this prayer. There is a weight that Jesus used this prayer to reveal his heart for the Great Commission. Jesus uses his call, his commission, describing why he has been sent. One sec. Describing why he has been sent so that the disciples will understand why they need to go. Praying the way he does, the Great Commission becomes something the disciples are. It's a lifestyle. Jesus shares his life with them. And he says, what I'm asking you to do, and church, what we have been asked to do, is a lifestyle. Jesus did not leave them with an empty command. He left them with his last words. It's a bold declaration of his love for his disciples. The disciples were privy to an intimate conversation between Jesus and his father. When I read the scripture and I, and I caught the heart of what Jesus was doing here, I felt like I shouldn't have been in the room. I felt like it was so personal and so intimate that I should not have been there. Like it was almost like when two people are saying goodbye, when a person is dying and they want to give their last words, the thing that will count the most, the words that will last, the thing that you will always think back to when you think on them. That's what the disciples heard. The intimate cry of Jesus. We have to ask ourselves why. Why was it necessary to hear these words of Jesus the way he shared them? Why was it not just good enough for us to hear an instruction that we see in the word that doesn't hold the same weight? I believe we needed to hear Jesus pray the way he prayed because we needed to see his heart. We needed to see his life. We needed to see the love that he had for his disciples. We needed to see that it wasn't an empty command. We also needed to hear 
the love that he had for these men. He knew that what he was asking them to do was something so great, something so important, that he need, they needed to see his heart, just like we need to see Jesus' heart. The commission he has given us, guys, we need the heart of Jesus. We need to understand the love he had for his disciples and the weight of which he took this responsibility. God gave him 12 men and he made sure that he could stand before the Father and say, it's done. By praying the way Jesus prayed, he commissions us, he gives us access to his heart. He gave the disciples access. He did not have to pray like that in front of them. He escaped many a time to be with his father, just his father. But this time he chose to do it in front of them because he gave them access and he has given us access to his heart so that we are not going with an empty command and we are not reaching the people we need to reach with an empty command, but with the heart of Jesus. Just as Caden shared earlier, uh, I had the absolute privilege to pray with three nine-year-old boys on Friday night, which blew my mind. It totally blew my mind. I haven't had the opportunity, I'll be honest, to sit with someone and lead them to the Lord in I don't know how long. And I, to be honest, I didn't expect it. But Caden had prayed specifically that his friends would come to know Jesus. And so I just asked them, I said to them, guys, do you know that you're going to go to heaven? And they were like, yeah, uh, I'll be a good person. And I was like, no boys, there's more. And I presented the gospel and I asked them, do you want to pray? And they were like, yeah, 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 we'll pray, we'll pray. So we prayed. And afterwards they said, I didn't close my eyes, is that okay? And I was like, yeah, buddy, it's great. But I came home with a weight. I was so happy, but I was so weighted. I went to bed, my last words were praying for them. I woke up and I was praying for them. I had a bath and I was praying for them because there was this sense that came on me as someone who had participated in the greatest decision of their life. And I want to make sure, I want to make sure that I am doing my part in seeing them discipled and loved. And so that heart of saying, you know what, these guys have been given to me. I was given that privilege. Anyone could have had that privilege, but I was given that privilege. And you have been given the privilege. You have to disciple and love people in your frame. God has given you people and we have to carry that same heart, that responsibility. These are my people, God's people, but that he's entrusted to me. So let's look at some handles, actions, applications, the right word on how we can see the Great Commission outworked in our relationships God has given us. So the first thing, Jesus interceded for the people he was given. 
he prayed. This prayer is a demonstration of the way he prayed with all of his heart. But we know too from scripture that he prayed for his disciples. He prayed for the people that were in his frame, that were given to him. Jesus was gracious with his relationships. He extended so much grace. J.C. Ryle comments that the disciples were, were less than perfect. We all know that. There were times when Jesus was like, oh, you're not getting it, you know? But when he presents the disciples to the Father, he speaks so graciously of them. Oh, Father, they, they listened, they obeyed, they accepted it, and now they're going. They're going into the world. They're doing what I've asked them to do. There was such a graciousness expressed when he spoke about them. And I want to ask you guys, look around you. You are on commission in this family. These people around you are part of the Great Commission. Entrusted, we're entrusted to each other. We need to speak graciously over each other. When we speak about each other, when we speak to each other, we need to be gracious. Jesus was gracious in dealing with sin. Mary, who was caught in adultery, and the woman at the well, both women, deep sin, serious sin. Jesus did not condemn them. He was gracious, as we should be gracious when we deal with people who are dealing with sin. People are messy, guys. We're all messy. All of us. I know. I'm messy. (laughs) But that's who God has given us to work with. And, you know, sometimes... Because we do what we do, we give a lot. We love it. It's what we're called to do, and there's grace for it. But what I found sometimes is that when we get home, our guard drops, and we give each other our worst. And I think there's a lot of us like that, where we're on point the whole time in our jobs, where we're having to deal with things, we give people our best, and then we get home, And the people at home or in our frame or close to us get the worst. It's a challenge. You know, they say when the toothpaste is squeezed, toothpaste comes out. So, what's going to come out when you guys are squeezed? Going to be graciousness or something else? We are on commission in our home, guys. It starts there. The people right around you, whether it is family, a roommate, or next door, or in class, you are on commission. Those people have been entrusted to you. We need to see the people we have in our life as a gift and a treasure. Jesus spoke truth. The third application. We are going to have opportunity to bring truth to people, but we are also going to have opportunity to have truth spoken to us. 
And that's not always fun. <laughs> but it's part of being relation, in relationship. And it's part of being shepherded. And uh, when this leadership team or the people you trust to speak into your life bring truth to you, you need to make sure, number one, that it's biblical, that it's spoken in love, and that it's done with the right motivation. And when, sp- when truth is spoken to you, please... Go back to the word. Make sure you see it. Ask the Lord, Father, please reveal this to me. You show me. And if there is ever a check in your heart, please go back to the person and say, can you help me understand? I don't see this in the word. And when you bring truth, guys, make sure it's covered in love and it's biblical. And the counsel that we have given to people when we've either done marriage counseling or when we've just chatted is there are three M's to always check. Motivation, method, moment. Choose those three things well. But first make sure it's biblical and it's been prayed through as well. Jesus revealed the Father, number four. In John 17, verse three, it says, now this is eternal life, that they should know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Verse six says, I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. And verse 26 says, I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. We bring the great commission into our relationships by revealing the Father and his heart to the people in our frame, the people entrusted to us. As we fill ourselves with God's responses, that's what will come out. Squeeze. If we are going to reveal the Father, we need to know the Father, right? So we need to make sure, guys, we are spending time with Him. I know this is 101, but we cannot expect to share into people's lives if we do not have the Father's heart or His response and His word in us. Please don't do it. It will be empty and it will generally do more damage to the people that you are trying to build into. So make sure those responses are God's responses. And also, when we reveal the Father, it's going to look different depending on who we're revealing the Father to. So people in your frame, you've either got unsaved friends Uh, Well, you hopefully have unsaved friends and you have saved friends. So the way you reveal God to them, it's going to look different. When I reveal God to my children in a moment of discipline or encouragement or training, they have a reference. They have a relationship with the Lord, they know the word, and they are filled with the Holy Spirit. And so when I bring and reveal the Father, it looks very different to someone who doesn't know him. I had a mom ask me after a security issue at school that was very scary for a short moment. 
She said to me, how do you handle it? Because they, they asked us to prepare the kids before we got to school. And she texted me and she's like, how, how are you handling it with Caden? So I revealed the father, but in a way that she could understand. I spoke the truth, I brought the word, but I didn't say, thus saith the Lord in verse something something. I just brought his heart into the situation. And that's how we can speak to people who don't know Jesus. They don't have a reference like we do. And so we need to be able to just not change it, but bring it in a way and reveal it in a way that they will be able to say, oh yeah, now that's good. And she did, which was great. Thank goodness. Yeah. Okay. Um, Jesus was faithful. Application number five. When he said, Lord, I have finished the race, it's done. And I, I said, Lord, how does that apply to us? You know, because we're in the race, right? We're in it. And I feel like God said, it's an investment. We need to see the people, the relationships that we have been entrusted to as an investment and not an agenda. And may I be as bold to say, Seeing someone saved is not an agenda. It's not a project. We are called to love God's people. We are called to serve God's people. We are called to build into God's people. He saves, not us. He saves. And people will very quickly know the difference. Very quickly know the difference. Especially if they've been hurt by church before. The Great Commission is not the latest agenda for church in the city. It's an attitude of heart. It's something we want God to deposit in us so that we can go out tomorrow, next month, and in 10 years' time to carry that same heart. It's not the latest topic. It's more. It's more than that. We build because we've been asked to. We love because that's what God said. He said, love my people. He did not say they are an agenda. This will help us when we don't see people getting saved right away, which can be discouraging. It can be. But we have to know that we are doing all we can And if we really are invested in them because of who they are, God will do it. He will do it. It may take 20 years. My grandfather had every woman in the family preaching to him. And he was hard until he was on his deathbed. And he gave his life to the Lord. But God did it. God did it. We don't know how he's going to do it. We don't know when he's going to do it. That's not for us. Our job is to love his people and love them well. And my last application is Jesus saw the people he was entrusted with as a gift. I mentioned it earlier. Verse 6 says, They were yours and you gave them to me. You gave them to me. We bring the Great Commission into our relationships by seeing each one as a gift. The people he has entrusted to us are not ours. 
they are his. We can get so callous with each other, with the people around us. We can take them for granted. If we can only, and I speak to myself, if we can only approach everyone with that in mind, you are a gift to me. You are a gift. Then I know we would see what we want to see in some of our relationships. Do we see ourselves as on commission in our own home and in our workplace? We are. We need to be. Verse 12 says, While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by the name you gave me. That word kept means guarded. Like a shepherd guarding a flock or a soldier guarding a treasure. I love being guarded by my man. As a woman, it is just the most comforting thing. As Steve stands at the head of the home, he stands at the door and he says, no further, Satan. And for me, I can rest because he guards me. He guards me in his prayers. He guards me in his love. He guards me in the way he leads me. And it's a beautiful thing. I need that. It's in me. I need to be guarded. That's how I was created. And it's how he was created. But it's not just applicable in marriage. We are given people as gifts and treasures. We guard them in prayer. We guard them in our love for them. God has his hand on this church. And I'm not just saying that because I'm as invested as I am. God is doing something not just for us. He is doing something for this city. And he needs all of us to understand that we are all entrusted with people. Every one of us, not just the leadership in church in the city. Every one of us are commissioned. We are on commission. We are on commission in our homes. We are on commission in this family. We are on commission out there. And he has given us everything we need to do it. We are a privileged people. God has seen fit to birth this church, to place us in it. And as we welcome people to the family, it's a privilege, guys, that we have each other. It's a joy. And he's given us the mandate to be there for someone else. It is a great and wonderful commission. So as I finish off, I ask you, those in your frame, bring them to mind right now. Pray for them. Extend grace. Bring truth. Reveal the Father. Be faithful. And treasure each other as gifts. Thank you. That's all.
Thanks again for listening. To listen to other messages or for more information, visit churchinthecity.us.